Thomas Fretwell. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. This is the third episode of the Theology and Apologetics podcast, and I'm excited today because we are going to start a new teaching series. We're looking at the subject of what does it mean to be human? And obviously all the associated questions that go with that. We're going to split this up into three or four different podcasts over the coming weeks and months. It's a subject that I have spent a lot of time in over the past few years. I'm currently writing a book on this subject at the moment. And uh, this presentation itself was first delivered at the European Creation Conference in London at the end of last year. So we're splitting that talk up and obviously updated it slightly with new material as it's come in. But obviously we, we know that what does it mean to be human? This is a huge topic that many people have spent a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of ink has been spilled trying to answer this question. The way we're going to attack the question is by examining what the answer is from two contrasting approaches, i.e. atheism and Christianity, or naturalism and biblical theism, or supernaturalism as you can call it, because these two different worldviews obviously answer the question very differently. Now, who is asking this question? It's very easy to just assume that maybe this is just um, kind of edgy teenagers who are asking this question, but I think that would be a mistake, because we do know that obviously identity questions surface in all ages of our, all ages of our life. Maybe we haven't accomplished what we thought we would, we haven't reached our goals, and we, we get that disillusionment setting in. Um, we call it a midlife crisis. Um, ident these questions can surface at any time in any areas in our lives. We're all vulnerable to them. And ultimately, we all need to have an answer to, to who it is we, we are. You know, what does it mean to be human? Now, you can go online. You can look on around the world. You can see the world's top universities inviting over the world's leading academics, biologists, scientists, physicists, psychologists, philosophers, all of them trying to answer the question, what does it mean to be human? Now, the fact that this is happening raises another question. Why is it that even after having been on the planet for so long, we still don't know who we are? This is a question. Now, the, the answer is it's not simply a matter of science or biology. These are involved, but you can't reduce it to one factor alone, because this is a worldview question. Okay, when I say a worldview, I'm talking about that um, kind of framework of reality through which we all view the world. Everyone has a worldview, um, even if they don't know it, they do have. And every worldview must address five basic elements. And for a worldview to be coherent, uh, these these elements must be answered consistently. The first thing is origins. Okay, so this is looking at the issue of where we come from. Quite straightforward. And obviously, atheism and Christianity give two very different answers to this question. The next is the issue of identity. Who are we? So this is really hones in on what we're talking about. What does it mean to be a human being? Are we separate and unique from the animal kingdom? Are we simply more evolved? Or are we created in some way that makes us stand out, unique? This is the question of identity. Meaning. Does anything in life have meaning or purpose? Does my life, are humans valuable? This is a very important question. The issue of morality is the next one. What is right and wrong conduct for humans? Is there any such thing as an objective right or wrong? How do we decide? Or do humans just decide it for themselves? How should we live? This is a very big issue related. This is a worldview question. And then the final one would be destiny. Obviously, this is talking about what happens when we die in the future. So these are basic worldview questions. Origins, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. And the worldviews answer these very differently. Now, of course, as we've said, 
the biggest difference really is between how theists and non-theists answer these questions because when you put God into the equation, it changes the answers. You take God out and it also changes the answers. So make no mistake, these are big issues, but people are asking these questions and people are, are you know, people have that longing for meaning, for identity, for acceptance, to know what they should be doing with their lives and also know where they're going. A recent example came up in the independent newspaper. It was a story about, it was just an interview with Britain's youngest Euro Millions winner, a young lady called Jane Park. She was 17 when she won the lottery. She's now suing Camelot, the lottery provider, for ruining her life. And in the interview, she was quoted as saying this. She said, people look at me and think, I wish I had her lifestyle. I wish I had her money. But they don't realise the extent of my stress. I have material things. But apart from that, my life is empty. What is my purpose in life? This is actually a quote out of the newspaper. It reads like someone's preparing a sermon, some sort of philosophical musing, doesn't it? But this is just her. She's been given everything that we are told to think should be able to make us happy, money and riches, yet it made her life seem even more empty. And it made her crave that purpose and meaning in life. Now, a lot of us have probably daydreamed about winning the lottery at some point and what we would do with the money, but this is a real-life situation here, and we know that there are treasures in heaven that far outweigh the things we could have here on earth. But these are all related to the issue of what does it mean to be human? Some of you may remember the internet search engine Ask Jeeves. Um, it was around before Google kind of took over the marketplace on internet search engines. But what you used to do is you'd log in and you'd ask Jeeves a question and it would come back with answers. Now, a little while ago, before it got swallowed up into the bigger inter in, you know, big internet providers, they released an article with their top 10 unanswerable questions. And this was a, a list based on over 1.1 billion questions. And the top two questions... This is from all the search engines, from all the searches that they'd have. The most popular questions were these. Number one, what is the meaning of life? That's the most popular question that people were logging into. And the second question was, does God exist? Think about this. People were logging in and asking this question, what is the meaning of life? People long and crave to have that meaning in their life. And there's almost this intuitive notion that if God exists, then their lives will have meaning because there is a transcendent source outside of ourselves that imputes that meaning to us. So therefore, it's no surprise that these questions are number one and number two on this chart. Now, number three, funnily enough, was do blondes have more fun? And it's almost like you can see the progression. Is there meaning to life? And does God exist? And then they can't get an answer to th for that from a search engine. So they start thinking, right, I'll do what I want. The issue of morality is also involved in this too. That's probably me reading too much into that, but I thought that was quite amusing. You see, whichever way you cut it, the issue of God is a pivotal one for the discussion over human identity, whether we like it or not. Now, we're going to look at this from two different starting points for our investigation, and as we'll see that these two starting points end up in very different destinations. Let me read to you a quote by the atheist Bertrand Russell. He was a very famous and, and astute atheist from a generation ago he made this very famous quotation where he says that man is the product of causes which had no provision of the end they were achieving that is his origin his growth his hopes and fears his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms 
that no fire, no heroism, no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. That all the labours of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. And that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Bertrand Russell, very eloquently written, well put statement, and he, he doesn't try to pull the wool over your eyes, he's very honest about the implications of the atheist worldview. But notice in this quotation, he addresses all of these issues, origins, where he says man is just the product of causes that had no direction, no aim in what they were achieving, an accidental collocation of atoms, the issue of meaning, he says no fire, no heroism, nothing, no intensity of thought, nothing has any purpose beyond the grave, and destiny, he says, everything we do is basically destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system. These are the implications of, of his worldview there, playing out in this quotation. Let me bring it up uh, to a little more modern times. Let me quote from you the atheist Chris, Christopher Hitchens. You might remember him. He's one of the, the famous new atheists. He, he, actually, the late Christopher Hitchens. He died just um, last year, I believe. But he, he was very popular, and he was a very good speaker, very honest, but obviously the new atheists, they had this more pejorative tone in the way they spoke. But in, uh, I think it was Hitch 22, it was a memoir of Christopher Hitchens, he's quoted as saying this, and he, he says this in response to the constant question he said he often got from Christians about how he finds meaning in life. And this was his answer. He says, a life that partakes even a little of friendship, love, irony, humour, parenthood, literature and music and the chance to take part in battles for the liberation of others cannot be called meaningless. Now, of course, this is a great list, but the immediate question that arises from this should be, and what of all the lives that never have these things? The lives that are not able to partake? Maybe they are born into situations that we can't even comprehend, where, where things like love and humour and friendship are just not part of their experience. They never have chance to take part in the battles for liberation because they are the ones who need to be liberated. What of their lives? If they have not partaken of these things, can we then say that their lives are meaningless? You see, these categories are totally arbitrary and subjective. Okay, There's nothing to stop someone else coming along with a different list that they say makes life meaningful. And their list might contradict yours, or their list might have something on it that you find extremely offensive that is definitely not the meaning of life. But what's to say your opinion or your authority is more than theirs? This is the problem when we make it subjective to our own human opinion. What about destiny? This is another worldview issue. We saw what Bertrand Russell had to say. Let me read to you from the uh, prize-winning physicist Steven Weinberg. He concludes his book, The First Three Minutes, by stating this. He says, human life is a more or less farcical outcome of a chain of accidents reaching back to the first three minutes and that the universe is doomed to face a future extinction of endless cold or intolerable heat. Very honest. Human life is just a farcical outcome of a chain of accidents. Basically, you see what this does for human identity. You see as we put this into people's hearts, we're telling them that there's no meaning, no purpose. Accidents. Okay, now, they would say that, you know, tough, get over it, that's the truth. But I don't believe that's so. Now, from a Christian perspective, it's very easy to see how life is given objective meaning and value and purpose, okay? Because we are created in the image of God. Perhaps the simplest summary of 
This is found in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which asks, what is the chief end of man? You say, what's it asking them? What is our purpose? Why are we here on this earth? And the answer is given. It says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You see, this is very, very different. Christianity and atheism look at this question very differently. Now, in addition, we are created in the image of God. Okay, That means we're given certain, we resemble God in certain ways. We are made like this for the purpose of communing with God. And our lives are endowed with dignity and value because we get them imputed to us from God. And this is the foundation for human rights. This is why the Declaration of Independence can say all men are created equal. This is why we can stand here and say that everyone should be treated with dignity and respect because everyone has inherent worth and dignity that is endowed to them by their creator. This is one of the glories of the Christian worldview. Now we've seen this corrupted over the years, but the foundation comes from Christianity. Make no mistake about it. And this really impacts the understanding of who we are as humans, you see, because we're either a random collocation of atoms, and in which case it's very hard to find an objective reason why we should have this dignity and value. Why, why are we elevated above the animals in that sense? Obviously there's a movement today that would not want to say we're, we're elevated above the animals. But I think intuitively we, we know that there is a huge difference and it's not due to evolution. So we're either a random collocation of atoms or we are uniquely designed creatures made to find fulfillment in the one who created us. Is that the meaning of life? Is that our purpose? We'll explore this more as we carry on. But these questions do form the foundations of our identity. Okay, They are intimately related to this question. And the issue of God is pivotal. We can't get away from it. No matter how hard we try, we run in our culture, don't we? Any talk of God, people are given you know, caricatures and stereotypes that are just woefully inaccurate, uh, even mocking God in many ways. But the question of God comes up again and again and again. And why is that? The book of Ecclesiastes, it's a book of the Bible uh, written by King Solomon, he writes these words. He says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He has put eternity into man's heart. You see, this explains that longing, that this is why man is incurably religious. If you look at the history of mankind over the years, religion is the dominant worldview. Atheism, particularly the, the rabid secularism that we have today, is a fairly new phenomenon and still limited to the Western world in many sense. We are incurably religious because we have that longing for God in our hearts, because we were made with eternity in our hearts. Now, when you understand Christian theology, we understand why we are not in relationship with God until you come to that relationship through Jesus. But this was why we were created. We are specifically intended to find our ultimate meaning and fulfillment by living in accord with what we have been designed for. It's teleology. We have to understand what we're designed for to understand our purpose. To understand our purpose means that we'll understand who we are as human beings. We were, given, we were made to glorify God and enjoy him forever because he has a destiny, he has a future for us. These are our two views. We're going to explore this as we go. Are we, un are we a unique creation of God or are we the result of unguided natural processes? Atheism, Christianity, naturalism, supernaturalism, whatever you want to call it, it becomes very obvious that these two worldviews are in stark um, opposition at many points. And in, in particular, one of the main places is obviously the history of origins. Um, these two views would not seem to be compatible at this stage. Now, I know 
a lot of people try and combine them, but I think you, you end up compromising them in certain areas when you do this. Let's end this podcast by looking at a challenging quote from a man called Frank Zindler. He is the president of, former president, I believe, of the American Atheists. This was from a debate with the philosopher William Lane Craig. He says this, The most devastating thing that biology did to Christianity was the discovery of biological evolution. Now that we know that Adam and Eve were never real people, the central myth of Christianity is destroyed. If there never was an Adam and Eve, there never was an original sin. If there was never an original sin, there is no need for salvation. If there is no need for salvation, there is no need for a saviour. And I submit that puts Jesus into the ranks of the unemployed. I think that evolution is absolutely the death knell of Christianity. It's Frank Zindler, head of the American Atheist. Very challenging quote, but I think very honest. And he understands the two differences between these worldviews, uh, maybe better than some Christians do. And he he he. He says it like it is. Um, if there is no Adam and Eve, there's no historical sin, then there's no point to have a saviour who saves us from sin. Um, this is, and therefore, why, why, why are we having this debate, basically? The debate's over for him. Now, we're going to challenge this statement over the next uh, three or four podcasts as we look at the issue of humanity, primarily from a Christian perspective, but we'll be analysing um, the atheist viewpoint too. Now, this is a challenge, and it's a fair challenge. It's one that needs to be answered. And we will take up the issue of origins as it relates to human identity identity uh, in more depth as we go through this and um, you'll have to wait until next time and tune in until then uh, thank you for listening and please go to itunes and subscribe to the podcast and if you enjoy the podcast uh, please uh, leave us a review on itunes this helps us um, show up on the search engines but until next time thank you thank you for listening for more resources please go to thomasfretwell.com